Hey guys, it's Abdul for your good friends over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, for the most part, the holidays, I'll admit it, the holiday seasons are pretty much here. So, might as well go ahead and start your holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, you know, kind of Cremanza shopping, no matter what it is. So, might I recommend our good friends over at Leon Tailoring? Get your girl up on a nice gift certificate for some good clothes over at Leon Tailoring. They get something ready made, something custom made, or something tailor made, no matter what it is, you can find it over at Leon Tailoring. Tell Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy, Abdul sent you. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, the economy is always a big issue and a big concern. It was actually a major concern in the midterm elections in some place. So join us on the news line to help us sort of sort through how things look. Is our good friend Mike Hicks, uh, economist at Ball State University. So, Mike, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to chat with you, sir. No, I'm delighted to be with you again. Uh, so help us out here. How would you rate how the, how is the economy doing? Because it seems to be sending sort of mixed signals right now. Yeah, um, overall, you got to be happy. Growth rate uh, for third quarter looked to be about 2.6% nationally, which is really strong. Inflation looks to be dipping. Month-to-month uh, -month inflation is effectively zero. Year-to-year -year went from about 8.5% to more like 6.5% uh, with data released this week. So those are good news. Unemployment rate is low, 3.5%, 3.6%. Um, and even in places where you're beginning to see some drags from inflation, such as the RV industry, we're still looking at a near record year, uh, even if they have substantial reduction in sales over the next few months. Housing prices are high and mortgages are up. So if you want to buy a home next spring, that's going to be a little bit tougher. But uh, overall, not a bad economic condition for the country as a whole right now. Uh, let's talk about inflation, uh, because obviously that was a big issue uh, in the midterm elections. Uh, some Republicans uh, ran on the inflation-related uh, issue. I remember uh, the, 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 the governor's race in Nevada, where the incumbent governor was tossed out because of uh, they had to basically shut down the, the Vegas Strip, and that hurt uh, the state's economy. Uh, how is inflation? And uh, granted, if, if it's zero, are, are people, is, it, is, it, is it showed up in people's pocketbooks, I guess is the question. Yeah, absolutely. So the year-to-year -year inflation is, is high, 6.5%. The Federal Reserve says they'd like to see it at more like 2 to 2.5%. Two and, and for those of us who are over 55, we remember inflation like this and the pain that it took to rat, just ratchet it out of our economy, really the 81, 82 recession. If you're under 55, you have no effective memory for inflation. It's as relevant to your personal history as, say, the Civil War or World War One. It's just not there. So uh, it is a new experience for many people. Uh, there are some obvious pains with it. It's more expensive uh, to buy things, eggs, milk, a car, a used car, a home. Some of those are, are supply side effects. Uh, you know, eggs are due to avian flu. If you want to buy a, you know, a computer, some of that may be due to supply interruptions from microcomputers or, you know, uh, semiconductors. And then uh, there's some of them are demand side issues, right? So if you want to buy a, a, a home, it's everybody's chasing homes with uh, has been chasing homes with really low mortgage rates that are due to fiscal and monetary policy in the wake of the Great Recession. So there's a lot of mul multiple causes to the pain we're feeling. Um, I should note the average, the median American family, by my estimates, got about $5,200 in stimulus from the CARES Act and the uh, Pandemic Recovery Act. If you add in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act from the I mean, early uh, um, Trump administration, it's more like a $6,500 uh, 
total gift, inflation has purged out about $3,500 from them. So the median family is better off. If you're a higher income household, you're you know, inflation has been a little bit harder to you, particularly in your stocks and equities that may, particularly for retired people, be an important part of your income. Mike Hicks with us, uh, economist at Ball State University. We're talking about the economy and how things are looking and how things are shaping up. Uh, Mike, uh, what, were the, what were the causes of inflation? Because you, you mentioned the supply chain. You mentioned uh, avian flu. Uh, how much did uh, sort of the, the, the pandemic spending, recovery spending, contribute to our inflationary pressures? Well, it was a, a huge component to it. So just to go back in history, the tax cuts and Jobs Act from the Trump administration cut taxes without paying for them. That's inflationary. That's a demand side pressure. We started to see that in 2018, 2019. Interest rates went up. At the same time, uh, we imposed a huge tariff, which is a tax on American consumers uh, who bought Chinese goods. That was about $300 billion extra tax. That's a supply-side shock that caused prices to go up. So we entered the pandemic with higher prices for manufactured goods and some inflationary pressures from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And then we had the pandemic, and the CARES Act just shoveled money out the door. That was the the Trump administration's uh, spring 2020 plan, which uh, every was nearly unanimously supported in both the House and Senate. Uh, and uh, really resulted in a uh, – it was the biggest stimulus in the history of the world, uh, sort of allowed our economy to recover from that early shutdown. Um, and at the same time, we didn't see any inflationary pressures because the unemployment rate was you know, effectively 24 percent and great, great depression levels. And then in spring of 2021, after President Biden took office and the House and Senate were in Democrat hands, they passed uh, another pandemic stimulus that added yet more money to households based on data that suggested the economy was not recovering robustly. All three of those things together contributed to the demand side inflation, the higher prices for things that there's no reason should be more expensive, like milk and sugar and the like. And at the same time, uh, you know, we had a war in Ukraine uh, earlier this year that really caused a huge painful spike in gas prices. Most of the gas price effect is due to the war in Ukraine. But the you know, Chinese government's been shutting down for COVID. Uh, that's caused prices for some products to rise. So it's been a perfect storm of policy, bad luck, pandemic, and war to cause it just to be more expensive to feed your kids, to get to work, uh, you know, and to have a little bit of fun. So I think that really is – households are feeling it. Uh, it's a thing to complain about. But given earlier bouts of inflation, this remains – relatively modest. So if you're 70 or 80 out there, you probably bought a home at mortgage interest rates that it could be twice what they are today. And it's interesting, too, you bring up uh, interest rates, because I know the, the Federal Reserve has been looking at uh, been sort of raising interest rates uh, to, sort of, to sort of get inflation under control. Uh, how exactly does that work for, for folks who may not be, may not, for folks who aren't economists? Right, right. So, so that's a great question. So the, the, the goal of increasing interest rates is to cause both household spending and business spending to slow down. And so the interest rate that we pay to borrow money to, you know, put a charge or use a credit card uh, to borrow money to buy a, to build a home or to buy a mortgage to, you know, get a loan to buy a car 
all of those are affected by what banks are charged to borrow money from the Federal Reserve. So if the Federal Reserve raises its discount rate, that's the amount that it charges its member banks, that causes them to turn around and raise rates on household mortgages, on credit card debt, that causes car companies, you know, GMAC to, um, you know, increase their cost of borrowing. So people slow down their purchases of things with credit cards, with car loans, you know, utility or appliances. It causes us to, to pay less for homes or to buy, maybe wait a year to buy that new home. At the same time, it causes businesses to slow their purchase of new plant and equipment. So if it's more expensive, if they have to pay a higher rate to borrow money to replace their truck fleet, maybe they'll just spend a little bit more money on maintenance and not replace it. Maybe they'll delay the opening of a new factory for, you know, a a year or 18 months. And so the Federal Reserve raising rates uh, and at the same time reducing the excess money that's flowing through the economy through quantitative tightening, uh, they are slowing the economy. And the idea, uh, which they rarely achieve, is to slow the economy just enough that inflation drops back down to their target rate of two to two and a half percent, which is about about as low as it can be with our ability to measure it, um, and uh, yet keep the unemployment rate from rising too far. And that's their goal this time around. Our guest on the program today is our good friend Mike Hicks. Mike is an economist at Ball State University. So we're talking about the economy today and just sort of seeing, sort of assessing where things are as we go forward. Uh, Mike, uh, one of the things you also uh, mentioned uh, earlier was, was sort of energy prices, particularly gas prices. Is it uh, is it the Ukraine? Is it the supply chain? Or is it the fact that, uh, say, for so long, you know, I would say gas prices are pretty much supply and demand. And when there was no demand, prices went down. When there's demand, prices go back up. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It's mostly market forces. So, you know, when the pandemic hit, demand dropped, prices dropped really, really low. And if you know, if you if you have a good memory, you remember prices were really high in, in 2008. All of a sudden, Sherson Lehman Brothers collapses and gas prices drop a dollar. So, recessions are a really good way for gas prices to drop. Uh, we don't like recessions, but that gives you low gas prices. And as the economy recovered. Right. So when gas prices drop, what do oil companies stop doing? They stop drilling. Right. They idle their pumps. There's no place to store the extra gasoline or the extra petroleum. So they take them offline. They lay off workers and those pumps become dormant, sometimes takes months or years to get them back up and running. Um, And so the economy slowly recovers. They come back online. Gas prices are up you know, a little bit because it's more expensive to hire these people back, get them back online with inflation. Their options for work are better than they were before. So they're experiencing the same pain that schools or restaurants are. Um, and then, boom, the war in Ukraine comes, and the world's, one of the world's largest exporters of petroleum is Russia. Um, and, you know, we're, we're pacing sanctions on, on Russian fuel um, and at the same time, places like the other OPEC countries see the potential for a global recession coming. They don't want to be holding a lot of extra petroleum production, so they slow their production, and all those things lead to higher prices. And it's not really a short-run policy decision by the United States. It's really you know, the sort of ebb and flow of the economy. And as long as we have wars in oil-rich countries, we're going to have these sort of plot, you know, 
price fluctuations in petroleum that's uh, an enduring lesson of the second half of the 20th century. Mike, I want to change gears a little bit and talk about uh, sort of jobs and, and the job market. How would you describe it? Because obviously we, we see the headlines, Amazon's laying off 10,000 employees, but unemployment is still under 5%. Right. So it's softening a bit across the uh, across the board. Right. So it, there's some jobs that are doing really well. I just looked at retail jobs. They're up. The wages uh, last month are up four percent on an annualized rate, much faster than inflation. So at the low end of the labor market, there's plenty of hiring going on. There are plenty of vacancies. And you know that if you go to a restaurant or if you go to, you know, a, a fast food restaurant. Uh, or, uh, or actually the comic book store right around the corner because my friend's having trouble right. finding people. Any place you go that has those face-to-face consumers that are, you know, mostly people who work in part-time college kids or, you know, those are just, there's huge shortages there. And so, uh, those wages are still good. In the industries that are going to be more likely to experience a slowdown uh, because of the recession, so the RV industry is probably slowing down hiring or laying people off just because uh, you've seen you know, sort of substantial declines in sales over the past couple months. Um, if you're a construction manager, a construction firm, you know the, the requests for new homes are down, the prices are down, so you're probably looking at a softer spring. If you're a company that is badly managed, like Twitter, you're laying off a lot of folks. Um, and so there are certainly beginning to be some symptoms of a slowing economy. But, you know, we're going from an unemployment rate of 3.5%. And if we look back at the last time where the U.S. economy sort of had to purge inflation out of the system with really high interest rates, you have to go back to 81, 82. The unemployment rate when we started those interest rate increases was about 7.5%. And so we're a lot better shape. So the tightening of labor or the, the, the softer labor markets, the, a few layoffs in places are still going to leave, uh, you know, most people unaffected, I think. Uh, and the Federal Reserve has already signaled that they're going to slow their increase in interest rates simply to see how the economy responds. And so, you know, I think we're beginning to see less inflation, a little bit of an increase in, in, in unemployment. That's actually that relationship has been known for 75 years to economists. It's called the beverage curve, and that's really what we're we're experiencing right now is trading off a little higher unemployment for uh, for a lot less inflation. Mike Hicks with us for a few more minutes. Mike, the ball, economist at Ball State University. Mike, want to uh, focus on uh, Indiana particularly, uh, what potentially could be happening next year. A lot of folks saw their assessments uh, increase this past, uh, this past year, uh, sometimes 20, 30, sometimes even 50%, uh, which has the potential to uh, turn into another property tax crisis. Do you see that in your crystal ball uh, next year? No, and, and here's here's the math on that. That's a great question. Um, I'm, I've talked to a group of uh, uh, school uh, superintendents this week about it. So property tax assessments are up 20, 30 percent, you know, for a, a household of, you know, make $200,000, you know, that's you know $60,000 increase. In Indiana, the growth of the actual levy is constrained to the average growth rate of personal income over the past 24 quarters. And so that's a little bit over 5% right now. So nobody in Indiana is going to get more than about a 5% increase in their overall property tax bill this year. So it doesn't matter what your assessment was. If you're already at the cap, 
which you know I'd say a substantial number of your listeners are, then you're 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 going to get more like a five percent increase, so much less than the rate of inflation. So, you know, nobody likes to see taxes going up, but the fact is, incomes are well up over five percent. The value of your home is well up over over that. The cost of providing public services, in particular schools, are are up probably closer to ten twelve percent. Uh, over last year. And so the real problem is going to be not enough money for local governments, despite the fact that we're all going to be paying about 5% more uh, for our, of our, which for a $250,000 home is like 50 bucks every six months. So it's, it's not the big shock that it would have been prior to the Daniels property tax reforms. Um, I got a couple minutes left here. Uh, what do you see happening uh, this holiday uh, season? I see people spending more, spending less, or is it still too early to tell? No, I actually think we're going to do pretty well this season. Uh, households continue to have a lot of money left over from the stimulus, so household balance sheets remain pretty full. Um, you, you know, uh, maybe they're going to change some of their spending patterns. We've been buying an awful lot of goods in recent years. Maybe we'll see some more services. They they haven't had the same inflationary pressure. So maybe instead of buying people gifts, we'll go out to, to dinner or have an event with folks. Those are the types of things we might do. Uh, but I think the National Federation of Independent Businesses calls for, you know, a, a good uh, retail sales year. And it's important, about 25% of retail sales occurs between Black Friday and Christmas Eve. And it's a little bit longer this year because uh, Thanksgiving happens a, you know, a few days early. It's, what, the 24th, 25th. So uh, that gives us, uh, I think, a longer period to make that extra money up. So I do think that overall we're going to see a, a, a pretty decent holiday season. And frankly, you know, uh, I don't – the evidence right now is not that we're moving into recession for 2023. Uh, maybe softening Indiana as a manufacturing heavy state, so we'll see a little bit of pain there. But, um, you know, I were, there, it's really hard to push the models to say we're going to have a recession with a 3.5% unemployment rate, heavy household uh, continued consumption, and 2.6% growth last quarter. All right. Well, our guest on the program day has been our good friend, Mike Hicks. Mike is an economist at Ball State University. He's sort of giving us a snapshot, uh, sort of a picture of uh, the economy and what it's looked like. So, Mike, my friend, as always, sir, thank you very much for being with us. Have yourself a good holiday season, old friend. You as well. Happy Black Friday. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.